Who is wise? The one who learns from others. Welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. This is a podcast where long-form conversation allows us to connect with those who inspire us beyond small talk and social media posts we're bombarded with on a daily basis. Join me on a journey where I speak to people from all backgrounds with different perspectives, each sharing their stories, struggles, and successes. Be a part of a community where you connect to something greater than yourself. I'm your host, Karen Corian, and welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. Welcome to episode 62 of Soul Sessions with KK. Let's talk about anxiety. Everyone seems to have some level of it nowadays, especially post-pandemic with all the uncertainties in the world. In this episode, I sit down with Elisa Tropper, a licensed psychotherapist with over 10 years of experience. Elisa talks to me about what is considered normal anxiety and what is considered problematic. Anxiety levels of children and adults have amplified in the last couple of years, partly due to our excess culture, social media, and many other factors. There is no doubt that many of us are feeling very fatigued, overwhelmed, and very worried nowadays. So what do we do about it? How do we manage our different fears and anxieties? Do we fight it or do we run away from it? What do we do if the anxiety becomes problematic? Well, Aliza answers these questions and so much more in the latest episode of Soul Sessions with KK. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Today I'm here with Aliza Tropper. She is a licensed mental health counselor, and she's here to talk to me all about anxiety. So anxiety used to be something that people wouldn't really like talk about so much, but I find that nowadays it's becoming so much more talked about and people, there's less stigma around it. So Aliza's here today to talk about anxiety because that's what we do on Soul Sessions with KK. Aliza, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So Aliza, first and foremost, um, why do you think this shift has happened? Whereas Maybe like a couple of years ago, people were more, you know, they hid the fact that they had anxiety or they wouldn't talk about it so much. But now it's more like, oh, I have anxiety. I have anxiety. Why do you think this is happening so much more now? So I would say there's like a few parts to that. I mean, I think we have to, first of all, like define what is anxiety because we all have anxiety. That's a feeling. And um, so I think we have to define that like and I'll do that in a moment. And I also think that there's no doubt, I have no doubt in my mind and research has shown that number one, anxiety has, has increased. And that is for a number of factors, one being social media. Um, you know, as soon as social media was created, they saw an increase in suicidality, self-harm, anxiety, depression. So there's no question that so many more people are experiencing this at such a young age that of course, because of it, there's gonna be so much more talk about it. And also, I do think we've gotten better about talking about these things as well. There's less of a stigma. So all these things together is what is why we're seeing so much more talk about it. But I also think that we don't need to um, necessarily make it into everyone has an anxiety problem. You know, let's define anxiety a little bit. I mean, anxiety, if we just define it, it's a feeling. Yeah. 
It's a feeling just like any other feeling. The same way I'm angry, right? Or sad. Anxiety is defined by, it's a feeling of fear. It's in the fear family, right? And it's this, it's this feeling of uncertainty of what's going to be, of not knowing the outcome and worrying and, and being worried about that. So that is a normal thing that we all experience and it's part of life. It's the, it's the, it's a, it's an uncomfortable part of life. And of course we're going to experience that because life is so uncertain and there's so many areas in our life that we're going to worry about, right? Like there's relationships, financial, financial worries. Then there's health worries, right? Like life is so uncertain that of course we are going to go through life experiencing this feeling. It's, when it becomes a clinical problem is when it overtakes your life. And, and I am going to, let me define that a little bit more. So if we look at the DSM, which is the book that we look at when we're looking at di you know, diagnostically um, different mental health disorders. And you know, it's when it, we define this, it's really, there's different anxiety disorders. Okay. So there's just to give a general overview. So there's OCD, um, which is an anxiety disorder based on obsessions, compulsions. I don't know if we'll have time to go into that today. Maybe um, for another time. Yeah. Okay, fine. Then there's panic disorder. Okay. Which is this fear that someone who's you experiencing panic attacks, and then you develop this disorder where you're then very much afraid of getting a panic attack. And because of that, you then avoid situations where panic attacks have happened in the past. There's social anxiety, right? This fear and worry of, of, how people are going to judge you, excessive concern of how you come across. So a lot, you know, very self-conscious about how, you know, different thing, aspects of in social situations. So that's social anxiety. Then I feel like a lot um, of people have that. Yeah. And again, we all experience social anxiety sometimes. Of course, we're human creatures. Of course, we're going to, you know, it's a natural instinct to want to be accepted Right? That's, that's part of our survival of wanting to be accepted by our peers and our community because we do have a fear of being alone, right? It goes back to like when we think about hunting and gathering, right? Like if we didn't have a tribe, we were destroyed. So of course we're going to have that fear of being judged by others. But again, it goes back to how excessive is this? How much is it impacting your life? Are you losing sleep over this? Um, so I'm going to go back into the DSM to, to go on to just explaining a little bit more about what what would make a clinical, but let's say I'm going to look more closely at GAD. Okay. That's general anxiety disorder. So that's another anxiety disorder. Then there's separate. I'm going to go more into that because I think most of us can relate to this. And then, okay. Then um, there's also separation anxiety, which children have, even adults could have it when you're separated by a peer. I'm not a peer, a caregiver or someone important to you. Um, excessive worry about that. Um, and it could be, there's even more. I'm just, I know we're short on time, but there's a bunch, a bunch of anxiety disorders. And, but it goes back to how much is this impacting my life? Am I losing sleep? Am I excessive worrying about this? Um, are you having difficulty concentrating? Is it impacting my life in a very big way? Mm -hmm. Whether it's relationships impacting, functioning under day to day. And that's what we're looking at. So of course we're all gonna experience panic at times sometimes even panic attacks. It doesn't mean that you have, people get so afraid, so scared. I mean, cause it's a very uncomfortable when they have a panic attack, right? But it doesn't mean now you have an anxiety disorder. And even if you do, there's so much help out there for it. 
So let's look at general anxiety disorder because I think many, we all, when we look at general anxiety disorder, but many of us think like, oh my gosh, I have it, right? Like we all worry about things. General anxiety disorder is basically an excessive worry about many areas in your life. So it, in adults, you see it in relationships, worrying about relationships, financial problems, like, you know, many different things, health, right? You'll see it in a lot of different areas. Um, in children, you see it more based, it comes up more as, like how they're performing. And also they'll seek a lot of reassurance from others. Again, we all worry about things. We need to, life is scary, life is uncertain. But if it's to the point as a, you know, DSM will define it, if you are like experiencing a persistent feeling of anxiety or dread where it's persistent and it's, mm -hmm. you can't seem to control it and it can't seem to stop, you know, not, just some occasional worries or having anxiety about a stressful event. And, but it's, but it's just, you're all the time, you're worrying about it consistently for months, for at least six months. And while you're worrying about these things, you have three out of the six, these six symptoms, such as feeling restless or on edge, being easily fatigued, having difficulty concentrating, being irritable, having headaches, muscle aches, stomach aches, or unexplained pains. Difficulty controlling feelings of worry, having sleep problems, such as either like having a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep. If you have three out of these six symptoms, and it's for six months at least, and it's really overtaking and impacting your life in a very big way, then we can say, okay, there's something clinically, then you could technically, you meet, you fit criteria for general anxiety disorder. Of course, it doesn't mean that you don't seek treatment, even if it's not impacting your life in this great way. No, because we're, we have to, we're living in such a world where it was back to your question of like, why is there so much talk about it? And we live in a world where everything, there's such, so much easy access to everything, right? Like, and that causes a lot of anxiety. There's, it's almost like, wow, I can get anything. That's very overwhelming. And and on top of that, there's so many options out there for things, right? That's that's where decision fatigue comes in, right? Like there's so much options about anything. You go on the internet, you want to pick out a pair of shoes. It could be endless. The, our, the, the way that the world is set up right now is set up in a way where it's not really great for living a calm, zen, you know, sitting mm -hmm. zen life, you know? I see why people go on these retreats, right? Or why monks live a certain way. Like I, I get it. It's in a way so tempting. Can you imagine going on a retreat and just like, okay, what I have to do now is be present. I mean, it's like, there's something so relieving in a way because of the times we live in, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, all of this that you're saying is reminding me, like now I don't feel so alone because I get so much anxiety when I go to big stores. I don't know why. For all my life, every time I go to like a very big place like Costco or Target or like a huge department store and there's so many options, I start, I start feeling anxiety. I, I, I can't handle it because it's like too much for me. I'd rather go to like a smaller store. I know exactly what I want. Uh -huh. There's not a lot of options. You get it. You're happy. You're good. And then mm -hmm. same thing when I go online and I let's say I have to go shopping when I see there's like... 80 different brands of like foil. I'm like, I can't do this. This is too much. <laughs> it really is. It's, and if you're a perfection, put a, someone who's a perfectionist on top of that, this is like, you're set up for like a disaster here, right? Like you want the perfect thing and there is no perfect thing. 
So that's why there's a lot of, we need to basically make our life almost set it up in a way where we create our own Zen life, really. Like I tell clients who have very hard time with, with making decisions, which sometimes could be um, OCD, not always, right. um, that just make us, I don't care what, if you're not sure which ketchup brand to buy, within 30, make a decision within 30 seconds, flip a coin, put on your, look at the clock for a minute. And if you don't know, pick anything. Because really, if you think about it, then they get used to living with making quick decisions, which really they see that these things don't matter. Meaning, obviously, if you're going to buy a car or do something big, we're not making quick decisions. I'm talking about things that paralyze people, right? Like mm-hmm. on Amazon, you could get lost by reading reviews, right? And it's like, no, I got 10 minutes. If you're picking out shampoo, okay, something bigger. You're picking out um, a mop, okay? If it's taking you more than 10 minutes, that's it. You're done. Just pick one. Like, and and people don't realize this because you we, we live in this way that it's, there's so much accessibility that it creates a lot of anxiety. So got it. Um yes, these are just some things for people. Put limit like putting limits on just time you spend on things. But so, you know, right. going, I realize I'm like talking about now problem solving when I was talking about um in general, what is your anxiety? But it's good. I love this. We're having conversation. Yes, exactly. Okay. So I had a question for you. Sure. Um, so I know you said that like we all experience anxiety. It's a normal feeling because there's like uncertainty in the world and just the world we're living in. Of course, like some dose of anxiety is, I guess, a little healthy. Like we all yeah. have it, of course. So when we have too much anxiety or we have like medium too, too much anxiety, how are we supposed to deal with it? Are we supposed to eliminate it? Are we supposed to get to a Zen place like you were saying, Mm -hmm. or are we supposed to work with the anxiety? How do we confront our anxieties? Yeah, it's a great question. It's, it's, it's really working on living your life and managing it. Um, I think we all need to learn how to manage anxiety because of the state we live in. And our goal is not to live in a, to live in a Zen li- to have a Zen life. It's just not, that's not, that's great if you are on a retreat and you're a monk, but mm-hmm. if you are on this earth and living in society, like everyone else, like going to work with your, you know, having a, whatever it is, we need to set up our life in a way or trying to where we can set limits for ourselves and practice just being mindful being aware, living a life based on our values. Therefore, we're not, we're making decisions that are, that are, that we really want, not out of fear, not out of perfectionism. So they're not out of pressure. Exactly. Yeah. Not out of pressure. Um, and that's, that's what we're looking for. You know, we need to be realistic. And I think that you also have to realize that people's anxiety come up in things that are important to them. If you are someone who loves being organized and loves being neat, and gets really finds like a certain satisfaction or value out of it. Your anxiety might come up in that area. If for me, it doesn't, I, maybe I wish it did, <laughs> but maybe it would help it be a little neater. It doesn't mean if you're a neat freak, you have OCD. No, it doesn't mean that, or you have anxiety, but I'm just giving that it, it shows up in the areas that are important to us. Got it. So, you know, and, and it, that's a clue usually like this must be important to me. So if you're very much like, you have a strong value in in the way things look or aesthetics and you appreciate creativity and you appreciate, appreciate beautiful things, your anxiety might come up in that area. 
So it does give a clue into what's important to you. So instead of like, I think we need to like change the whole way we look at anxiety. Instead of being so afraid of it, and we number one, we need to remind ourselves it's a feeling just like anything else. And also being curious about it. Like, what's this telling me here? Why am I anxious? And often there's a value behind it, not always, but just starting to get curious with it instead of running away because it doesn't work. If you avoid it, your anxiety gets worse. Mm-hmm. And the same thing. So avoidance is like a very big thing with anxiety. We procrastinate because of the discomfort that comes along. What's procrastination, right? It's avoidance of either perfectionism, discomfort of the thing we need to do, stress. So we, you know, that's that's the way I would really. Or it's funny because I find that when I am anxious about something, I do the opposite of procrastinate and it's actually not good. I, I make very, very quick decisions because yeah, I just sure. want to get it out yeah. of the way. And then I end up doing things too quickly because I'm so anxious about it. And then I end up messing up and I end up making yeah. mistakes because instead of thinking about it, thinking it through, waiting a day or two, I, I get anxious about something. I'm like, oh, it needs to get done. It needs to get done. Then I end up doing right. it and I don't do it the right way. So you're bringing up a like very, yeah. And you're bringing up something that a lot of people I think struggle with. We often go to like extremes, right? Like either I'm going to totally avoid this or I don't want to have this hanging over my head. I want to check this off my list. Yeah. And therefore we do, we sometimes make impulsive decisions or do things quickly because what are we avoiding again? We're avoiding uncertainty. Mm-hmm. part of our light, right? We want to just be certain. We want to just, you know, let me just do this already. I don't want to live in that state of being uncomfortable. That if we build our tolerance for living in distress, because that's what the, that's what we're avoiding. We don't want to be in that state of like living in distress. So therefore we either make quick decisions or avoid it. Yes. We need to get more comfortable being uncomfortable. And, and really maybe part of life is getting comfortable with living with uncertainty. How do we do that? By living with uncertainty. Wow, that's really hard. Which is sometimes leaving things unfinished, not always making quick decisions. You want to make a decision when you're like, there's this concept called wise mind, where you're bringing your emotional mind, logical mind together. And that this like feeling of it's like a ha moment. You don't, you feel, they say it even in your gut when you're making a decision. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's where we want to make decisions based on not just emotion and not just based on logic, but both of them together. So and you can't get that when you're in an anxious state. Yeah. So it's really goes back to discomfort. I think as humans, we don't want to be uncomfortable and we'll do anything to avoid that either by avoidance or by doing things quickly, because we don't want to live in that state of uncertainty and distrust. So how does, how does one learn to live with the quote unquote chaos or uncertainty and not be anxious or be right. anxious, but be okay with it? Like, how does one do that? I know it's a low oh, question. I know it really is, but I would start with, I know I'm going to go always back to first thing is always mindfulness. Mm-hmm. We need, it's, it's people don't realize that you're changing your brain when you practice mindfulness. Like it's not your neuro, your neuro, you know, the neural networks in our brain can always change. And people don't realize that. And often people like mindless, it doesn't work. No, actually, if you keep practicing mindfulness, which is bring yourself back to the present moment, doing one thing at a time, every time you practice that, you are changing the network in your brain. So instead of what's the opposite? No, I need to quickly do this, or I need to think about this now because I want to. 
Same thing with ruminate, right? That's what ruminating is. Ruminating is mm. going up in your head, sitting and thinking, overthinking the same thing again and again, instead of, instead of what are we avoiding? Our emotions going in our body. Avoidance of sensations and emotions is actually, research has shown results in general anxiety disorder. Because it's so much easier in the moment to go up here, right? Like, let me keep thinking about this because we think we have some sort of control if we go up here. We mm -hmm. think we're going to get some answer. If you have not gotten an answer by thinking about it 10 times, you're not going to get that answer. The answer is going to come when you're not thinking about it at that point. What do we need to do about rumination? You asked me, when we notice we're ruminating, a great thing to do is get up, move your body. Okay, so if I'm sitting on the couch like this, slumped, and we're not going to want to do this because we're going to want to go up here, right? Yeah. Get up. Go into your body. I don't do anything. Even just move to different, move, get up, take a walk, go across the kitchen, get back to living your life, which could be, right, go back to your present moment. Often our present moment is pro is usually not up here, right? It's doing something else. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing is out, is about practicing mindfulness. My, the first step of mindfulness is being aware of, hey, what's going on inside of me? What's What's my thoughts? What's going on right now? It's taking a non-judgmental stance of like, I'm curious of like, what is going on right now in the moment? What are my thoughts? What are my feelings? Being curious, right? What's going on? If you can do that, then you will be aware of what's happening. You'll be, the more we practice it, then we'll, we'll be more aware of when we're ruminating. We'll be able to even challenge ourselves about the way we're thinking. Yeah. So and sometimes we need to do that. Like a lot of times we get so caught up in the worry that like just sometimes taking a step back, yeah, which is mindfulness, right? And being like, what's the evidence here that this is true, right? Like what's the evidence? Has this ever happened before? How likely is this going to happen? What's the evidence that it's not true? We do sometimes helping ourselves logically can be helpful. Right. And some, I'm not saying that's always the answer, but it can be very helpful sometimes to ask yourself, like, what's my biggest fear here? Like often we keep worrying about something and we're not even sure why. And if we ask ourselves, what's the biggest fear here and face it head on, then often the anxiety will go down or at least we'll tend to like wor worry about it less. Like so, so often we're worried about it. We're not even sure why we're worrying about it. And, and sometimes you, if you just like clarify it, you're like, okay, so worst comes to worst, this will happen. So worst comes to worst, you're worried about um, a test, right? Children at school, okay, worst comes to worst, I won't do well. And then what will happen if I don't do well? I don't get a bad grade. And then what happens if I get a bad grade? Um, I don't know, I won't do well in that class. Okay, and what happens if you don't do well in the class? And sometimes you see, I once went with, a, explored this with, an, with actually an adult, a young adult, and her fear was that she was gonna be homeless. It went from bad grade to fear that she's gonna be homeless on the street because because she'll flunk out of school and then she'll won't get a job and then it's like whoa, whoa, whoa let's slow down here is that really true let's say you do flunk out of school so many people don't go to school and have wonderful jobs like so a lot of time we just like going do going down that path of like asking yourself what's our greatest fear can also be helpful right right Aliza I was wondering um this just came out of nowhere I was thinking about this that what if someone you know, they're not an anxious person, but maybe the people they, they live with or the people they surround themselves with are highly anxious people mm -hmm. and it really affects them. Like, for example, with me, like I can be fine. And then 
if someone has that like anxious energy around me, it gives me anxiety. So how do we, right. how do we deal with people who are anxious right. if we're not anxious ourselves? Right, right. Great question. You know, definitely the people we're surrounded with and our the, people's energy are going to, there's no question that it's going to impact us, you know, in some way. And if you're someone who's sensitive or very in touch with other people's feelings, this is going to be a lot harder for you because you're going to take in, if you're very intuitive, you're going to take in people's energy and it's going to be harder, but this is where boundaries come in. And it takes a lot of practice of separating yourself from them. Listen, it's not, it's, it's hard. It's hard being around anxious people. You know, it's not easy. And, you know, but this is where boundaries comes in. You almost have to create your own boundary, like internally, right? Like this is their stuff. This is not my stuff. Like, and it's, you really, it's, it's a lot of work on separating you from them, but you have to like, you're not responsible for them. And like, it does take, you know, sometimes people do like a lot of somatic work with the body to kind of separate this. Um, people have a hard time with that, but it goes back to boundaries Got and it. obviously not getting wrapped up in their anxiety as well. Like, and that might be saying like, Hey, like, can we please not talk about this? Or if they keep secret seeking reassurance from you because they're anxious, be like, I'm not going to answer that question. I already yeah. told you once I'll tell you once, but that's it. Like, you know, and it's really, it's setting boundaries with them. And it's also setting boundaries with yourself. That might mean stepping away and limiting yourself. I having I interaction up, you yeah. know, I think it's a really big problem. I see it nowadays, the lack of boundaries that people have with friends, acquaintances, parents, you name it. Like people are so afraid of putting up boundaries because they're, they think that if they put boundaries up, they're going to lose their friends. They're going to have sever their relationships. It's, it's like one of the hardest things that people could do, but I think it's instrumental to amazing mental health. It really is. And I think it goes back to like, ask yourself, like, what's my fear if I say no? Fear of abandonment, fear of rejection. Like, is these things really true? Mm-hmm. You know? And like, again, obviously you can do this cognitively and sometimes cognitive, cognitively could help, but sometimes it is coming from trauma where, where, the fear of abandonment or whatever it is, setting a boundary is so scary for you that you need to do trauma work. But even so, whether it's trauma or it's just anxiety or it's just life, we need to figure out a way to live our life in the moment every day where we're just doing things that work for us. And that means boundaries, right? That means like saying no to things. That mm-hmm. means limiting the amount of tasks we're taking on. Um, yep. It you know, it's, we have to figure out for, if we notice that we're getting really anxious, instead of being afraid of it, really getting curious. Like, why am I more anxious today? Oh, I didn't eat. I didn't sleep well. I I'm stressed. I took on too much today. Um, young stuff's coming. School just start like, you know, the time of the year now causes a lot of anxiety for a lot of people, especially this society of wanting everything to be the best, wanting the best clothing, wanting the best yep. um, of everything, the prettiest sukkah, the let me cook the most gourmet meals. Like we're surrounded by it on social media, right? Like everything is about that. And I'm not saying you can want that and you can beautify Yuntiv and that's a beautiful thing. And you could want it to express your creativity. Me personally, I love expressing my creativity through doing those things. But at the same time, I need to keep in check. It's like, what am I doing this for? Is my perfectionistic part taking over? Is it society that's impacting? And we all need to ask ourselves those questions. And that's what it means to live a life with just awareness and mindfulness is 
what am I, why am I doing what I'm doing? Yeah. It's, it's becoming just more curious about what you're doing. And if you can live your life with that, it's, it's a different life. You're not just doing, if you live a value-based life, it's, it can really help with anxiety versus just people are just are so controlled by their anxiety that they're not even thinking they're just running around from this store to that store to do the next thing. And it's like, hold on. Like, am I getting, what, what's going on here? Yeah. Right. Like, and we just, we all got lost in it and let's not judge right. ourselves. And it's okay. But it's like, we need to take a step back sometimes. Right. What's going to happen if you don't have that, those perfect, those flowers that you wanted or those plates that you wanted for guns of like, you just whatever it is that you're struggling with or your kids' school supplies, what's going to happen if they don't have it the first day? Because sometimes we just need to take a step back. You know, this year was a great test for me because my, my daughter, she didn't get a school supplies list until she, after she started school. And it was like, and I'm like, I'm, I'm shopping for my son. So it's like, come on, like, what do you need? Like, just tell me, you know, like, right. And right. Sometimes we just need to practice that of like not having things done, letting things go. The more we let things go, the more we are changing the neural network in our brain to be okay. And that's why, you know, and we have, that's the thing that we don't realize often. Like every time you don't give into your anxiety, we are changing something. And people always tell me this, you know, I, they look back at like their self five years ago and they're like, because they practice this in their life and they're like a different person because they, over time, they just keep practicing, you know? And of course we're not going to always be perfect and we're going to fail, but the more you can just let things go, live with uncertainty, take a step back and even grounding, like. People don't, people make fun of breathing and grounding exercise all the time. But the part that people don't realize is that when, every time you implement that, you are changing, you're changing the, uh, ner- the nervous system in your body over time. And you are changing your neural network in your brain over time. Like, you know, even people experience trauma, like they, we can change what our body remembers, mm-hmm. you know, obviously to somatic work and what, but also in the moment. When our nervous system gets in that flight and fight mode, trying to do breathing and grounding. And it's really hard in the moment because we don't want to do that. We just want to fix that thing. Yeah. We don't want to sit and do that. But, you know, these are all things. We just, you know, taking breaks from social media, from going online. If if you are online shopping for an hour, just go off and you got nowhere, just stop, take a break. Like, so these are things that we we can create limits and boundaries in our own life so that we're not controlled by this outer force of yeah of an anxiety provoking world but you know what's so ironic about all of this you know people who act on their anxieties and they just have to like do everything and they're going from one place to another and they they feel like they have to do everything because like that's what everybody else is doing and they're pressured and oh whatever you know they're they're doing a lot of these things to be in control right? Mm -hmm. They're trying to control their environments. But meanwhile, they're the ones who are being controlled by their anxiety. Are you the rider or are you the horse? Right, exactly. I like that analogy. You know, it's like an illusion for people. Like when people think that they have to do what everybody else is doing and sign their kids up for like 800 after school programs and do their, their, have their bar mitzvah, like better than the last one and compete (laughs) and keep up with the, you know, the Jonas's and all that, all of that. It's like, yeah, you're trying to control your life because you're so scared of this lack of control 
But meanwhile, you are being controlled by this, you know, this thing that's taking over. So true. I really like what you said about mindfulness and living a value-based life, because unfortunately, I think as a society, we are so distracted, Aliza. No, it's crazy. And, you know, I don't want to throw out just like labels, like ADHD. I mean, I do have mild ADHD, um, but I do think more and more people have such a lack of attention and focus and doing things one step at a time, doing things carefully with thoroughness and care and all of that, because we're in such a rush. I know we're like chase. We're beat. We're trying to like, what is it? We're trying to beat something. We're trying to chase something. Like what? There's no end game. Like, what do we win? Is it like you're, what are we trying to win? What are we trying to win? Yeah. You know, there's this, you know, it's like, what? and it's never going to end. Yeah. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be a better of something. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, you know, I see why it was easier in a way being hunters and gatherers, like just sitting in the, some of the sitting in the wilderness and you had to just think about food for that day. And it wasn't thinking about, you know, you'd have to go to 50 stores to get that, that nut you were looking for, for your salad. I'm exaggerating a little bit. I mean, some people take it far, but yeah, they do. (laughs) But, but, and listen, I'm guilty of that. You know, we're all, we've all done that, you know, maybe not that extreme, but whatever it is, it's our own way. And then there's like, they have to just think about that day. Like, okay, I need to hunt an animal to eat today. And it yeah. was like, there was something so simplistic and beautiful about that. Now we have to radically accept that this is not a reality anymore. Yeah. And we all have, you know, but I, there's, it's hard the times we live in as much as we have, we have so much more. We also have so much less in a sense. And it's really hard so hard it is it really is i i do want to continue the conversation hopefully with you maybe we can do another episode (laughs) or we can even go live because there's so much to unpack here and you just really is there really is and this is a very important topic i have seen you speak about anxiety on your social media platform and i thought you were the perfect person to talk about this and there's so much more to go into but I, I want to thank you for everything that you just told me. You're making us aware about what's going on and not being afraid of it and how to manage it, how to deal with it and feeling the fear and doing it anyway. So mm-hmm. really thank you so much for being here. And where can people find you if they want to contact you, if they want to make a session or sure, anything I'll see- else? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And I just want to say, this was like a start of a conversation, like yeah. really a start. I can talk about this for three hours. So we definitely have to continue this. Yeah. Um, you can find me on my website, alizatropperlmhc.com. You can find me on psychology today. I don't know. You can find me all over, but you can also go to my Instagram handle, which is my name at Tropper, And then you can find my number online. Awesome. Any questions? Thank you so, so much. This was so relevant and so important. I really thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and feel free to reach out with feedback and questions. If you want to learn more about what I do, you can check out my Instagram page at coach.kk and check out the link in my bio. Let's connect.